everybody. Welcome to this special Sonic Talk interview. I'm here with uh, Mr. David Rossi, who is there in Copenhagen in his home. Uh, David, if you haven't heard of David Rossi, he uh, basically, if you've heard any really ear-catching string arrangements in sort of major releases over the last maybe 10 years, there's a good chance that David is responsible for them. Uh, I first met David uh, working with Goldfrapp, uh, where he was playing violin, guitar, and various other things. But since then, uh, well, and before then, he's got a very wide-ranging and interesting musical career. How are you, David? I'm well. Nice to see you, Nick. Thank you for your generous picture of me. <laughs> well... I mean, it's hard not to be, really. I mean, you know, just looking at your Wikipedia, I mean, there's just so much Do you know what I was thinking? Uh, I was thinking, you know, the first time we met, we was in Bristol at the Louisiana um, for a golf rub warm-up show 21 years ago. 21 years ago. Wow. 2000, man. It feels like not long ago, unfortunately. I do remember. I remember that gig vividly, actually, because uh, yeah. as you know, I mean, we met because I was involved in the same project, and a lot of the stuff yeah. that the band were playing was things that I had not necessarily played, but had a hand in kind of bringing it to the to them to be able to play. Which is, you know, the, the and that was sort of the beginning of this sort of notion of the modern musician not often really sort of playing, playing, but kind of playing well, these exactly. kind of weird cut-up parts of other people's multi-tracks. And you were part of the programming of that record, you know, yeah. if I remember well, in sure. fact. And also Black Cherry, if I'm not wrong. And all, yeah. Because, in fact, when we were rehearsing at Real World, you, you were actually coming to teach me which sample I should trigger. It was quite funny, <laughs> as you remember. It yeah. was very... It was fun. I, I really missed that time. Uh, Gopher was amazing, you know. Yeah, it was. I, I, we, you were talking before we came on air about how uh, terrifying the kind of your first orchestral performance, you know, uh, uh, in terms of conducting as was. a conductor, yeah. And and that for me was very similar because I was like the conduit through which all of the information to make those uh, rehearsals work came, and so there were like you know five band members, two or three crew catering all of that kind of stuff for full production rehearsals and it was incredibly stressful i remember that but that's something you must be i mean you know you've been touring you've been i mean it's not about me though this is this is this is about you david so uh, let, let's i mean your oh. your musical your musical background is started classical you started learning very very young yeah violin yeah string well things. i yeah i did the diploma in italy you start studying so in Italy, you start conservatory with your secondary school, basically, when, when you go with junior high, whatever they call it in England, you know. So from the age of 10, you enter the conservatory and you can do your school uh, along the conservatoire training, which means violin or piano or uh, con um, um, viola, you know, uh, harmony, um, the, the whole thing, you know, music history, music harmony, and, and everything else. So that goes along. It's almost like a, um, uh, a secondary... Um, mm. Well, I believe in, in the UK, it's more like private, and then you get into the, uh, to the conservatory later when you're yeah. like 18 or something. It's a bit different. Right. So, I mean, your musical education, I mean, you have a proper sort of classical musical education, yeah. right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I studied violin, you know, classical, classical, classical. And in fact, it was pretty much the whole thing was very classical until at 15, I decided to, I wanted 
to do a bit. Uh, I joined some bands in Italy when I, where I was living, and um, so I started to because I always fancied that side of the the, the playing. I felt I always felt um, I loved classical music, but it was a little bit too restrictive, to be honest. Um, and uh, the conservatory can be quite. Um, demanding but also a bit dooming in a sense of the way it is mm. um, i mean conservatory is a good word Cons- yeah it's conservative <laughs> i mean this is i mean this is interesting because a lot of classical musicians mm. you know it's a, it's a, it's a very uh, specific discipline and so jumping yeah. into because i mean you know the, the stuff that you've been working on some, since then i mean not exclusively but is is applying mm. your classical knowledge to essentially pop, you know, which is, I, I yeah. feel like you've got a good ear for that because you write, your string arrangements have very strong melody and melodic contents, which presumably yeah. you take from the music, but also input yourself. Yeah, but that, that that's exactly right. I think when, when you study an instrument like the violin or the piano or anything else, it's very much about executing something which already exists, which requires also some kind of some type of creativity. It's not just like blindly. In fact, the greatest player will have that, you know, uh, flexibility. But often it's the case that you kind of when you study like that, you kind of uh, become a little bit rigid if you're not Mm. careful. So for me, it was very important to play with bands because I I felt free, you know, Uh, as much as I loved the my training and the technique, which for a violinist, you need to have classical technique. Obviously, there is the fiddle way of playing in Ireland, or for instance, there is also the classical Indian music, which I also um, uh, sort of explored. Um, and also, obviously, the the Romanian way of playing, you know, the, the, the folk Romanian music, which mm-hmm. is another uh, sort of very big tradition, you know. But the classical... Is kind of the 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 A to Z of the violin, you know. It's more so than the piano or the guitar. I have to, uh, you, you kind of have to go through that to me at least in right. my personal. And and then I joining band was essential for me to become a bit more creative. I love the fact that you, uh, you know, you can do that in a quartet, but in a band, it's more like um, when you study in conservatory and you play with other instruments you still look at the music mm. uh in a band you don't you know it's it frees you up in a lot of well I, i'd imagine the feeling of having multiple people improvising together to create something yeah. that is happening in real time is a very liberating experience when you're i mean it's great without classical training because you get this kind of otherness that you didn't exactly you know. yeah. is that you know you know you know if i tell you when i was studying at the conservatory it was um, if if they caught you do pop music or rock music, they could get thrown out. Really? It was like this. It was very weird, yeah. But uh, but I, you know, obviously, no one cared, and I did it, and then it was really cool. And um, and then eventually I started work with with bands. So at the end, it, it didn't. It wasn't really a problem. Uh, by law, let's put it that way. <laughs> but no, that but it was more a problem. <laughs> yeah. No, the the, the violin police were after you. Yeah, wow. Yeah, the violin police. Yes. No, and also, to, and also for me it was so the fact that to to learn to play with a band with violin was also a challenge because you know in a band. In fact, I was also playing keyboards, but I really wanted to 
use the violin. So, you know, I started to learn about, you know, it's very, when I started in the late eight, in the mid eighties, in fact, there was not much technology. I mean, there was Barker's Berry. There were uh, the first microphones that you- They sounded put. horrible. It was really bad. It was awful, you know? And, um, but then I found a way, I remember the first good one was the Fishman. And then, you know, then I got the, an electric violin, which was, um, Actually, a guy in Birmingham. So the first time I came to England was to buy that instrument, as a matter of fact. And that must have changed things enormously because that meant you were, I I mean, the technology enabled fiddle players or violin players to to actually compete with amplified setups without all that terrible feedback. Correct. And without without feedback and also with a decent sound because, excuse me, I actually... Remember, I was playing with this Italian band, and we were touring Europe, and then I met the, uh, we were supporting the Pogues, and the violin is from the Pogues. David Coulter, uh, he used to have this violin from this guy uh, from Birmingham. We used to make them, and he was the first violin that I thought it sounded great. Not like a Zeta, a little, sorry, no disrespect to Zeta or Yamaha, a little bit Mosquito, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this had a body. It was made art. Um, it was artigin- artigina, artisanal. Artisan- yes. Yes. Thank you. Artisanally make, made. And, um, and um, basically, he had a great sound. And then I went to buy it. And then he changed the whole thing. Yeah. It still wasn't the, you know, acoustic. The acoustic sound is, is always uh, the best. But, you know, you need to get a compromise in. Um, in a, with a live band. And that's the, in fact, that's the violin I used with golf rap all the way. And it was always good. You know, it was a great compromise, uh, in fact, and with the Verve and with Royksop and all the other bands until I did it live, you know. Just want to interrupt there with a message from our friends over at Isotope. They've got two new subscriptions, uh, which are available to you, give you access to their pro applications, full seven day trial available free at isotope.com. Isotope Producers Club is a -a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. You can always still save 10% on Isotope products by heading to isotope.com forward slash sonic talk and use the code sonic10. Uh, that will get you 10% on any of the software products, uh, excluding subscriptions and, of course, Spire hardware. From, so was it was it true that, you know, when you started, your most most of your work was coming through sessions for live, for live performance because you were talking yeah. tall with well, golf rap, you Yeah, with you started, you know... Yeah, exactly. The first challenge was really to play the violin in a band. 
mm. period, because it usually sounded awful. So how can he be sounding interesting? And also, uh, as the violin is a very is a sound that comes out. It's like a singer. It's a bit mm. like a lyrical. Is very in your face. So I, I also want it to be a little bit invisible. So how can it be? Um, also an instrument that you can use as part of a groove rather mm. than the soloist, like the trumpet, you know, very, that was very much my challenge. Um, so I'd imagine music tech, the technology side of it, you were kind of pretty much straight into there because presumably that meant, you know, affecting it, uh, uh, processing it in ways that made it kind of less, you know, poking out and whatnot. Technology, yes, but also writing the parts, uh, also very much. So how can I be guitarist, more guitar-like or more, I don't know, keyboard-like? That's also, and that that influences the type of technology you are going to embrace. Well, before is earlier was very limited, so you know it, you just do it. It's kind of it was nowadays. It's much easier to play the violin in a band. It, I think it's. There is a lot more yeah. uh, technology and know-how. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I remember I used to do a lot of live sound and people would turn up with instruments around the period that you're talking about and they would sound dreadful. You know, you'd have a DI and it would yeah. sound like a saw, you know, and then, and, and then you yeah. know, but there's that's, you get a certain amount of acoustic. Yeah, so that, that that's a real challenge. But then presumably you got into arranging and and kind of making larger things because i was reading about what you do and how you've kind of become uh, a go-to person for arrangements yeah. because you can record multiple instruments yourself and effectively kind of do things in-house as it were yeah i started to do uh the first really arrangements i did is because i multi-track myself to get the idea of an or a small violin orchestra you know the more i do session the more i you know like you do when you play guitar you overdub and then it became yeah. quite natural to develop and then at a certain point it became more and more um until when i had the so this electric violin allowed me to play cello and viola because it was a seven string so it, it went. It goes down until the B flat, which is one right. note below the cello, and uh, so I was able to do the arrangement. So violin are acoustic and viola and uh, cello electric, and then you mix it in the right way, and and then you use that as a demo. And then if you want to use the orchestra, then you write it down in a score and you go, you know, uh, wherever the budget allows it to, you to do it. But then. I think then I moved to England, obviously, and uh, um, and I sort of when I, you know, I did I I didn't used to do many more sessions like this. I mean, I did some more. It became more like I record for myself, and then at the same time, Logic appeared. You know, the, right. the laptop computer, I mean, which didn't exist again. So I started to record by myself, and I slowly learning to record myself and the first as you know uh, uh audio to digital interfaces was really not that good you know in terms of translating sure. the signal so uh, so there is like a big gap where i used to do it this self um what do you call it multi-tracking with an engineer in a proper studio and then to do it my on my own. But then we are talking about a big gap. We're talking about 2006, 2007. So from, from, 90, from yeah. 92, 
because that's when I really started recording is 92, 91, 92. Then 93, that's, I started to come to England. 94, I moved kind of officially to, to, to England. Uh, and then I was still doing some records, but not as many, but I was still developing this technique. In fact, I remember working at Terra Incognita. Peter Hamill was there. That's you know, the, the, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, stuff like that. And then more for session. And then I already introduced that kind of technique for sort of small feature movies. That's where I met Will, in fact, on a on a session from uh, yeah that's well from girlfriend i mean i think the thing is is yeah. if you've got the ability i remember that there are a few string players who can make that leap across and kind of build these multi-track things that that end up being yeah. like a full set because managing and recording a full string section is a headache you know it's a lot of work and it's it's a lot of it expense, is because so. uh, exactly when you do and also when you do it and even when you do it right and everything works as you know you do it and you have the chance to do it and then it's the chance is gone because you had those hours and if you don't get it completely right you really can't i mean if you want to correct it you have to go get back and that's a you know it's difficult or and you have to be able to change in the moment, you know. And yeah. there is always something wrong with the score, and uh, what, what sounded good on Sibelius does sound good on um, on uh, on 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 the actual room in the actual room with the players. So so in in actual way to do the the demo with real playing that helps also obviously because you have a better feeling. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, is a slow development, but as I said, in like 2006, seven, then I had this session with Coldplay, you know, and then we were supposed to use an orchestra, obviously. And, um, but then they gave me like this, it was the first Apogees. Yeah. That was good stuff. The mini me, in fact, and they gave it to me and then I borrow one of their mics, you know, just a Royer. And then I did some recordings like that. And then I, also, Royksop asked me to do the album completely remotely, so I had to learn then without an engineer. And that's how, and basically that's when I really got it together. It, it was like a steep learning curve that sure. year. And then, but then Viva La Vida was recorded on an Apogee Mini Me. And I think I used, I record some of it during golf rap rehearsal for 7.3. So that was... I, I, I use the AKG, the really good mic that Will has. Um, uh, the C12. You know, the, C, yeah. the C12. That sounds, that's a, that's a, such a beautiful, that is a beautiful, beautiful sounding mic. I mean, uses, Alison uses it on her voice. Uh, the C12, because yeah. uh, the, the originals were, they were stereo and it's one side of the, the original stereo. Yeah. Beautiful valve mic. They sound fantastic. With limited resources still, because, you know, um, so that's how I did it. And, and then from then, it was really a development of that. And then obviously, I bought myself a viola. And then I learned to play the cello. And I learned to play the double bass. So now... <laughs> One man orchestra. Now I play every... Yeah. But I just developed it because it became more effective. Because now the... I mean, to be honest, if I play you something and, you, and I told you, well, I use this ensemble. And you say, okay if I would be dishonest. <laughs> uh, 
I see. You know they, they, I, mean? I mean, the thing is, is your expertise and the nuance of how strings can sound. But I mean, just to rewind a little bit for those of you wondering the Coldplay, mm, that sorry. classic Coldplay, Living La Vida, La Vida Loca, which is the dun dun. I can't play it because we'll get busted. Dun, Viva dun, La Vida, dun, dun. Viva, Viva, Viva La Vida, Vida Loca is the. That's right. That's Ricky Martin, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a bit different, but yeah. yeah, a bit different. But that's you. I mean, so you were kind of given yeah. free reign to do that. So from then, I mean, well, this de the development of this process. sound, I imagine, you know, it suits everybody because it's so easy because if then they could just sort of, if you're doing that kind of construction, somebody can just go back, oh, can you, that middle line, It could you just adjust it a little bit so that it goes this way in the, instead? And, I mean, I guess all of that stuff becomes comes into play, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's, but that's the result is a little bit, you know, when everything comes together, I've been doing this on my own on smaller projects, and then suddenly I have this big record. I'm in the studio a lot because before even Brian Eno comes in, after the Golf Rap Tour, they decided that they wanted to try me out and even as a fifth member or something, you know, obviously then it becomes more obvious that they are the four members and I'm more like the, I'm playing around with them. And then they go, John Hopkins. So, but with Brian, actually, Brian, you know, I went to his studio and we started something else on another song. And then I gave this rhythm, you know, and and also with Brian, we were discussing about writing, you know, I, because I used to, I am used to write, work with bands, you know, you learn how to play with bands and make the sound so the string becomes part of an is it doesn't just become the strings on top of the track yeah. you know it's more like a part of the actual writing and, and the the sound that's why that the song is basically strings you know a little bit of um something else you know there is a bass there is like a, the percussion it's very much string bass because that's, that's a sound that riff. we kind of yeah. Yeah, we developed it. They discover me. I discovered myself. We we kind of this. We found out because I went there as an electric violin player, you know, and then that came later, right? Uh, because they, they they didn't mean to do the strings that way. We were supposed to do the demos and then go with an orchestra, and then we I, we did a couple of songs and I. Uh, where I just say, well, I'm doing this, you know, let's try that, and then they were like, well, this sounds great we're going to do this, you know, can you do that, uh, I Exactly. I mean, I think the thing is, is when you're in, when you've, you know, you've put your 10,000 hours plus in, you've also developed this recording technique, which allows you to kind of get across your ideas in a very pure way. Because particularly with pop music, that sort of direct idea where it's really obvious is very important because otherwise, if you've got to yeah. explain it, it's not going to work really, is it? it? Oh, it'll be all right when we can do this. It's like, no, this is it. This is great. You know, so it, it, it Yeah, and you do it and then you double it and then suddenly, oh, that's that's taking shape, you know. But I mean, it, it's a long process. Nowadays, I, because I got so much more work pr as just as a string arranger, so people ask me for an orchestra sound. So I have to kind of compete, which is weird to say, with a proper sounding orchestra. But with, with the way I EQ myself after doing it for a million times, you know, then you get closer to that sound. It's still your sound because mm. obviously, even if you go and record, obviously, an air studio or a Abbey Road, that's there. There's a different sound. It, yeah. Who's the engineer? Who's the microphone? What I are they using? Do you, know? do you then have to end up making the band fit in with the sound of 
the air studio rooms or the, do you see what i mean so that you end up mixing to the room well the, the funny thing yeah i mean in in fact i did the last time i i went to do a a, a session at their, at their studio with um it was with two door uh, cinema club and it was actually something for uh, Universal Audio and we used the whole the full of symphony orchestra for a song they did and we had pretty much a couple of days with the orchestra which is you know unheard of for one song basically and uh, so we had all the time in the world and still you know that room for that type of music it's kind of unfriendly because you have this big sound to get into a pop song uh, you you have to work on the sound so we mm. we still use some of the strings that a lot of the strings that i record in this situation where the room is dead and i can decide uh, and plus when i write the parts all the parts are split so you can you can actually isolate the first violin first Bar. yeah 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 that the makes second, it, exactly. so you have a you don't have for instance you know for instance when we record at the air studio we go we we do the strings but we cannot have the cellos on our own you have to just make that happen if you want to and that's more complicated yeah well much it is. more complicated that's really interesting actually that you're that, that thinking mm. about it in those terms because the granularity i mean in, in many ways i was thinking this came to me while i was preparing for the interview and in many ways working with a, a live orchestra a live string section of, of a large number of players you go to a place you've you've maybe you've done the arrangement you know you've either used samples or you've got guides and then effectively it's like taking a photograph with an old-fashioned camera where you don't know what it's going to turn out like until you get the photo there back. is and also a really good yeah but there is also if you know how to do that well it's also amazing i mean yeah. uh, that's where the skills of the the skill of the um arrange for instance there is um you you're probably familiar with all the back back albums, you know. Right. And uh, he, his father is David Campbell, who was uh, who was a really great um, arranger who's been working since the '60s or late '60s at least, you know. And he's on many many records, um, great records aside of his own son, obviously. But and uh, he's also the way he records is he records small session, and it it's not very I, I've, for what I saw and read about, it, it's similar in the way it records. Obviously, I do it on my own. It does it in um, in small ensemble, so that's why you get that thick sound. It's very, uh, con uh, very concentrated. Is the wrong word? Direct, um, I suppose. It's less direct. It's less yes. Right. Okay. Interesting. And the same was uh, uh, these other amazing <laughs> arranger from French. Uh, 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 Vanier, um, the the one that uh, uh, now I've um, I've um, my brain is not working um, is called Jean Claude Vanier. Thank you. Uh, he, this guy is uh, is an amazing arranger, and he's also working very much from this very direct way of. Uh, it's very quirky the sound. Uh, the way that you work is kind of a distillation of that almost. I mean, it by, by, just by necessity, because you've only got one instrument at a time, but it yeah. gives you so much more control and so that the, it, it can be sculpted much more 
because, I mean, the pressure of recording a string session is enormous. It's hugely stressful. There are all those people oh, there. There's yeah. all the union rules. The, the studio costs a fortune. All, it's just a crazy amount of stress, I'd imagine. Yeah, and usually, yeah, that's right. And uh, not, that's why nowadays, unless it's a record that it's strings and something else, so it's based on strings, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a huge investment for non not a lot to be honest uh, mm -hmm. i don't know it's uh, i don't do it any I, I don't do it anymore so i'm the wrong person to, sure. to talk well i can understand that. i mean in many ways uh you know where we are now in the world all of your kind of history has led to this point where you are perfectly uh, placed to to do string arrangements remotely because that's the way you've been working for such a long time so i mean I know yeah. you've been, you know, you've been working with, you've got big names, Grammys, you know, there's a lot, you, for the amount of stuff that you do and the amount of stuff, you're, you're kind of quite behind the scenes. I mean, do you miss being out there in the world and touring as well? Because I mean that, I know, I know you used to love touring because I, you know, you used well, to have a great fun I, with golf. I used to love, but, but I think after a while touring is, it becomes a little bit a repetitive you know, once you tour the world once or twice, unless it becomes, I think, you know, with Golf Rap, I was very lucky because it's such a unique band and so good live. I mm. mean, we were doing quality show. And even then, after a while, it becomes the waiting and the flying. And plus nowadays, I mean, talking yeah. about <laughs> with COVID, it's just yeah. that killed it. For, sure, you course. know, if I had to base my livelihood from that which are, unfortunately a lot of musicians still do it's it's really sad um i consciously really try to move uh, what i want to achieve you know and, the, and then when i saw this chance with colpe that that worked so well i i just decided okay that's where i'm gonna put my energy into yeah. you know so get the right gear the right microphones learn how to play the cello learn to play the Bass using as a way to write my own stuff, you know, uh, all the stuff that with touring, which was great. After a while, also because maybe it's not my own project. Yeah. Uh, if we were, if Golf Rap was my own band, then maybe obviously you find ways. But it's, touring is hard. I remember Alison; she used to really suffer because it's hard. Work yeah, to, it is to hard work. There's a lot of time when you're not actually doing co constructive work. It takes time. Completely. You know? yeah, I think that's that's yeah. probably that's something that we all. I mean, particularly if you've I got mean, kids, you you really start to value exactly. the amount of time you have and what you use effectively, right? And uh, you know, again, again, the the being lucky enough to work with Coldplay and all these people, the Verve, you know, and and these, you know, Coldplay, they tour like no one tours. <laughs> they have the most luxurious way that i know of at least you know i'm sure there is people who do it maybe the same but the, the level is so and still for them it's hard you know they have and they in order to work on their music which they want to do all the time because that's they're very hard working ethic um it's difficult to do it when you are spinning around in the world even when you are doing it well, when in you're a the... very civilized way as they do. In, and you're the biggest band in, in the world, then you can modify it how you are. Just want to break in there to bring you a message from our friends over at Modal Electronics with the Cobalt 8 8-voice 8 extended virtual analogue synthesizer. 
which features multiple four-pole ladder filter, innovative oscillator with 34 algorithms, um, 29 en endless encoders for real-time control, internal sequencer and arpeggiator, MPE support for expression and modal app for Windows, Mac, iOS, Android and VST3 and AU. Uh, if you want to find out more, head over to bit.ly slash get underscore modal. Let, let's just go back a bit because there's some other interesting sure. things in your history which are mm. which are fascinating. The 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 the, the stuff that you were doing with Fripp because um, you did one of his uh, guitar courses, or the guitar the the process. So basically, that's a very interesting link because uh, so when I was 20, so I, I sort of I was towards the end of my education music uh, conservatory in Italy. So I was about to get a diploma. Then I decided to go to a, a course with him, you know, where he was teaching guitar. And and I went, uh, also because I just was into his, uh, I wasn't very much a big fan, but I thought he was interesting. And I had a friend who was really into him and he convinced me to go. I thought he was a good thing to do. and And then I went and I thought, the guy was he had like a classical approach in rock music for yeah. the same type of very muso like if you mm. if you know what i mean but in a good way I, I i it was a good link for me and i for three or four years i i i went to all the courses i could get like in america in uh, in switzerland in england uh, in Germany, he was holding all these different sort of, you know, uh, yeah, like show uh, work workshops. workshops yeah. you could call well, it was them, called guitar, you know, like for, guitar craft, wasn't it? That was the kind of yeah. Name he was that. more yeah. He had a, like a, you know, you then they, they, they teach you. They also taught you about meditation, about you know, there was Alexander technique for the posture. It was it was actually very cool, and um, um, and he's obviously. Uh, a very charismatic player and person and uh, also really great guy. Um, we are still in touch. I mean, we're still talking uh, by email. And he's actually the guy who told me, well, you, why don't you move to England? You know, he said, in Italy, what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> Even though when I moved to England, I was like, well... <laughs> It's, it's what am really I gonna good. do? Yeah. <laughs> what am I gonna do here? You know. But no, it was really good because obviously at that time, uh, England and well, is the same for me. Is the center of the music world. I w I've been into English bands and music since I was a kid. You know. So I mean, you know, the the ability to kind of work with these kind of maestros in many ways. Because presumably, conservatoire, there were there were certain you know violin maestros you work with. There's Fripp, you oh, yeah, guitar he was maestro, amazing. and you worked yeah. with Stockhausen as well. or did a course with him, right? Yeah, I did. I did again. It was uh, these people are really they they were kind of I mean especially Fripp, but also Stockhausen he was short but intense, uh, and it, obviously and I, so. With my violin teacher, obviously, he was a great Russian guy, uh, which all that really uh, hardcore Russian way of learning an instrument, which is really pays off <laughs> when you do it when you're young. And then obviously, prepared that kind of link because what well, was a bit frustrated with all these bands and the playing was, a, and then he had that kind of attitude with the instrument, you know, and. Um, which was also linked to rock, pop music, whatever. And then Stockhausen was more like electronic music, you know. Mm. I remember 
being at that place and working on some of his stuff and with him and he was i mean talking about rehearsal after doing that i could play with everybody because it's so hard and precise you know um so basically that was involving tape you know playing with tape but with stockhausen was even more so because you had to count there was no click Right. So you had to learn the sound on tape and memorize and learn how to. It was absolutely insane, I tell you. And he, he, there was no. He was so precise as well. It was so the three very interesting schools, right? Mm. But then I still liked um, pop music. So all of them were great, but a little bit restricting. If I have to be honest, yeah. No. So, so tell me what when now now um, take me through a process. I mean, obviously, you know, you, there's all the sort of stuff uh, we like. Somebody gets in touch with your manager, your agent, or you meet somebody mm-hmm. by chance. And they say it'd be great for you to work with us. What what mm-hmm. happens? I mean, is there a kind of is there a shape that's generally you know would you guide people through? This is the way to get the best out of me. What I suggest is this that. How, what what is that process? I I think it changes all the time i'm still fairly i i I feel i'm lucky because i feel like i'm learning all the time i'm still educating myself uh in terms of um for instance now i'm really into the sound of uh italian film music so you know this um Aside Morricone, you have like uh, Umiliani, you have like um, Piccioni, all these Alessandroni, all these great composers of that school, and the, the arrangements there are just insane. So I think by listening to a lot of stuff, you kind of get you develop a taste. So when I approach a song, usually they tell me also what they're looking for. Sometimes they have even the parts, but then obviously. I give a little bit what I feel and what I he- what I listen, what I hear in the music. Mm. So it's it's a bit of both world. I think it's still an open canvas most of the time, and um, uh, I usually work in terms. Sometimes a song it needs a higher, um, it needs a higher pitched type of sound so i would just use maybe violins and violas sometimes i really feel it needs that full body orchestra it really depends on the on what i get Mm. um sometimes i start from scratch so sometimes i just play everything and then they pick it really varies I guess it depends on what you feel as well. So you do you do that there? I mean are you kind of in your own room so you just you you I'm in my own room so what I'm yeah, usually that's how it is nowadays. Even when I go to the studio, when I was able to, when we were able to travel, and I go to LA, and I don't know, I spend a few days with Chris or, or I don't know, Alicia Keys or whatever. I, I, I they give me my the, a room, and then I work. That it's a little bit like modern producer, you know. They bring their own laptop with their own in in the box sort of gear sometimes they have a rack with uh, their favorite toys they get into a room and then they do their thing and then they work while the other guys are working on the you know that's how it yeah. works in a lot of situations i i mean viva la vida was done in several rooms there was brian you know had his own room 
Marcus was doing the band, tracking the band. Then there was another guy who was doing, you know, something else in another room. That's how people do records now a lot. Well, I suppose uh, the thing is you have this kind of concurrent creativity so people can react. So, I mean, you're moving stems around. I mean, that, and in, in many ways, you know, what that, that becomes quite challenging. Music then becomes almost like the, an IT problem because you've got to move all this stuff around, synchronise it together. I mean, because I remember just, just through basic working with, uh, you know, golf rap stuff, we would do that. I'd be in a B room, I'd do a load of things, and then I'd come in and what, three hours later, I'd go, I've got this, and they go, oh, yeah, we've changed the tempo. And you think, okay, right, how do I... Yeah. So all of that stuff is, is is complicated. I mean, do you find... Will you you will you will you will you be in that situation, or you try and keep it? Because I mean, I guess if you've recorded a big string section, and you or you've got this lovely arrangement which has a thing about it, and then maybe something fundamental in the track changes, will you let a machine? Will you let a machine? Would you let a machine do that, or would you rather re-record no, it? No, no, I'll do it all. I'll do it again. Right. I, I mean, uh, I, to be honest, by doing it so much, you you develop a skill. So let's say average to do an an orchestration for a song, let's say two, three minute song, you know, you, you orchestrate like, I would say two minutes maximum, you know, because you're not going to play all over it, you know, right. You you do, you have to leave some gaps also. And some of it is going to be less involved. Otherwise you lose the dynamics, you know, you, Right. You don't play the bass all the way through or the guitar all the way, you know, it, it doesn't work like that. So by so conceptually and working wise, I would say three, four hours I could do it. You know, wow. you can do it. Three, four hours I can record myself, let's say, multiple 60, 70 times in the places where it occurs. It becomes like a you develop a muscles, you know. Mm. That um you know, like players when they come and they do a session and they they usually they do a song if they're really good. They do a song in two, three takes, and with overdubs, they are done in half an hour. The yeah. really great ones, you know, because um, they're, because they're, you're relying on their instinct, and that's kind they, of why they, you got there them is in. an instinct, and you still need to keep that. I think when you do this, you kind of just like uh, self-indulge, and I mean, sometimes it takes a while. Yeah, but generally speaking, if you if you if you put the 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 minutes together. You know, you can do a song in th three, four hours, really. Wow. Even though maybe it takes you a couple of days, you do a little bit, you do a couple of hours, you come back at it. You know, maybe because I I work on different projects, so sometimes I dedicate two hours, three, four, two, two, three hours, and I move on. I do something else, and the day after I do it again, and then okay, I think I've got something to send. You know, that's how it is. I feel right. That's really uh, interesting. So, and then, so if it changes, if they change something for them, sometimes they say, oh, I gave you the wrong mix. And it actually is completely wrong. Sometimes oh. the key, the tempo. Oh, so wow. I just redo it. But because I did that work, I, it's, it's can... easier for me to, yeah, because it's in the body, you know, yeah, it's yeah. really. So do you, uh, do you improvise you do... the arrangement as you go or will you sort of like yes. work stuff out? Yeah, but I mean, sometimes, as I said, they give me some ideas what to do, or they give me like um, already. An, uh, but usually, if I have to start from scratch, I usually come up with my ideas, and then I get it. Uh, I get a thread, and uh, and then I start from there, and then I develop it there. So that's how it is. And I, I guess I have my method of 
arranging. So you mm. develop your own style. I mean, if you listen to, if I listen to my favorite, uh, Jean-Claude Vanier, uh, Scott Walker, um, the, the, the arranger I'm talking about, Morricone, you know, yeah. they have their own style. Yeah. You can hear it, you know, it does. And that's a good, um, if you have your own sound, your own style, that's a good thing, you know? Yeah. Well, otherwise, uh, I mean, you could just be anybody, couldn't you? I mean, the point is, correct. You want you so, want to have the strength. You want to have some sort of characteristics that you know people want to come to you because they like your character. That, that that's right. That's right. And that that is like for for anything really. You know, even for a plugin, <laughs> yeah. you like that plugin because it's got that type of uh, character. You know, so um, I think. Uh, you, I just try. Yeah, I think you don't think too much about it. I, I, I follow an idea, and then I. That's why it's important for me to 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 play, to to record, and then leave, give it a rest. And then the next day, when right. you play it, you see, oh, that was okay. That wasn't, or maybe that wasn't, you know. And then, or some of it was. So that's very it's much a, dis uh, a distillation process to a degree, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So in recent years also, you've been brought in, you've been conducting uh, a big string arrangements, the culture club stuff, various other, you know, you, so you've been brought in to actually conduct, say you're in front of a, mm -hmm. a full orchestra or a large string ensemble. How's that? I mean, that's again, you know, that's a, that's a, that's something that must be quite nerve wracking, I'd imagine. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, it's really not my job. I mean, there is people who do conducting and that's what they do and they're good at. And they are arranging the um, they are good at doing it because that's how they they are used to work with many people. For me, I still feel a bit intimidated and shy. But usually now, uh, when the little I did, the first one with the culture club was my very first, and it was really difficult because uh, also the orchestra wasn't that's the difficulty to get a symphony orchestra to do a gig. Yeah, <laughs> that's not recording to do a gig and to do music, which is like called color by number by culture club and just orchestra and voices. There was like boy George and Jimmy Somersville and they no click because that's, you know, with Steve yeah. Levine, we, we decided, no, it needs to be pure. And oh, my God, it was such a mistake. <laughs> you need a click you need to yeah i think in this type of music if you decide to go completely symphonic classical it's a just to keep the tempo it's a it's like two very different worlds well there must be uh, a certain amount of lag as well because i mean the bit what you so you've got to kind of almost oh, my, get to this to point where you're both you're this huge room full of people is in the same groove oh as God. you it must be so hard Do you know and I didn't know, you never know really, no one prepares you for it. But when you put the, when you put the first uh, thing down, you know, the, when you put the one yeah. with the, with the stick, the sound doesn't come on the one, <laughs> comes later. So wow. you have to, so you, then you, then you think you're, oh, it's slowing. Then you slow down and it suddenly just slows down everything. <laughs> it's like to a full stop. It's, it's terrifying. I, and then you have one day, you have like three, two, one rehearsal and then the gig. So you have like six, I can't remember. Maybe we did a rehearsal of four hours with a break. Wow. Then you do 
Then you do another dress rehearsal and then the gig. So it's to get it right, to make it, oh man, it's impossible. That's why even with Goldfrapp, when we got the strings and we rehearse it a bit, I mean, that's a different ball game. It's much more relaxed than do this, you know, with a professional. An orchestra, you go even with their repertoire, you do rehearsal and then gig on the same day, you know, yeah. I've done it. I, so that was scary, but then the next second time I did it with this band called Fly Facilities, it's like two electronic music producer. They're Australian and we did I I convert basically I did their album for Symphony Orchestra and then so we kept the band, click for sure. So that I was prepared. I I I learned Yeah. That, 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 that makes I needed a lot of to sense. Have, uh, yeah, but the first time was like, no, we want to do something different. The BBC, you know, reinterpreting the, which sounds really lovely. Yeah, it's all <laughs> lovely. But when you actually do it, you need to have some boundaries. Uh, but actually, having said that, it went well. Um, good, good. Because it sounds. I mean, I, I have the recording, and I, that day I felt. It, it, it didn't sound from what I wanted, but it, it was a bit more quirky, you know, because it's like, but there is something about it. Um, well, it's, off the, mo it's off the moment, isn't it? I mean, there's no, there's no going back. That's what you get. I mean, there must be a degree because of your, your arrangement, you're doing a symphonic arrangement or an orchestral arrangement. And then you, you know, the, whoever it is, maybe it isn't you that conducts it, but you get the recording back because you've done your own sort of, you know, David Rossi version, which people seem to like, and then you get the one that's the real thing. Do you do you find it hard to let go of that initial kind of spark of what it was about what you did compared to what you ended totally, up totally? Yeah, because it, it it completely it sounds completely different. Yeah, yeah, it's it does, and also often I have to say, in situation like that, when you you decide to release an album, usually even with. Uh, golf for instance we record an orchestra and then you use the midi parts you patch it up with something else because it's not even though it's it, the orchestra in itself there is the imperfection of it because it's a very as you say it's like a snapshot mm. uh, you have that chance to do it for a recording or for a you, you haven't got the the luxury to really pay attention to the you know you have to make sure the vibe is right and that's what you got it's and really interesting. The... It's interesting because I'd imagine the, the, the clash of these two kind of grid culture and orchestra culture, it must be, as an orchestral musician, it must be incredibly frustrating to have these massive grid constraints put upon you. And then as a as an electronic music where the grid is everything and you want to be in time working with something as sloppy on paper mm. as an orchestra, it must be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the orchestra is really the the orchestra is really like it's not one person; it's a lot of people, mm. and they are governed by the dotted music, so they don't really know who you are and what you do. They will know Beethoven better because they used to do that, or Mozart because they used to do that, you know. But new music, they don't know. Even contemporary music, sometimes there is a, even I remember Stockhausen was complaining a lot about you know uh, doing gigs with the, the people didn't know how to play his music you know because it was so difficult it required a certain type of training 
So I think with orchestra, if you make it as easy as, as possible, so if it's rhythm, rhythm music, you need to have some click, you have to have some reference, right. because otherwise it's, they, they're never going to be able to, to achieve it with the amount of time you have, you know. And I even... Even Zappa, I remember Zappa was doing, he, he, Zappa was a great composer for me. He desperately tried to get the bridge from rock music to classical, which he did, but he, he was never satisfied. No, uh, well, he because, didn't use the orchestra, did he? He just used a rock band <laughs> or a synclavier. <laughs> but he also used the orchestra. Oh, did he? He did have a few. Yeah, yeah, he did. A, he had, yeah, he had a couple of recordings in London, in fact. Uh, and then also he had this ensemble modern from Dusseldorf. They're German who were more like uh, into his um, way of working. So they were more generous with time with him, you know. But, you know, difficult. Wow. So this is like, a, I think it's a great, when, when the two worlds collides to me, it's still a great, um, it's a fantastic thing, but it's difficult to make it happen. So it's always going to be, so the, the conducting is, is not something I do all the time because you need the budget, you need the project and, yeah, you know. There's not much of it around at the moment. There well, is I, not much of it around. I guess that brings me to kind of what's next for you. I mean, obviously, in these times, you know, travel is is done, but uh, in many ways, your for workflow and your work ideas kind of are suit. You're able you're able to still do what you do. You're not, you know, or certain aspects of it. What what's next for you? What have you got in the pipeline? What's or what do you well, want to do I, next? I started writing more, so um, uh, now I use my. Uh, leftovers that i use for recordings i use it as a string loop so i use it's almost like a library i use it to work with producer and artist so i write more i i arrangements is not just arranging on something already done but actually starting from scratch and writing with people that's definitely um and and that's definitely a new avenue for me mm. um and uh I have a project with Matt Hells. Do you know him? No, Akalum? Akalum. Okay, he, yeah. he, he moved. He moved to. I met him in Pasadena, but he moved to. So we're doing. We're working together. Definitely writing for visual. Uh, right. Uh, right. So, but but at the same time, is the same. I think I I work where the work comes to. Yeah. You know, it's it's very much. It becomes like an habit, and you have to find the fun in doing those little things because you know when you do so much and when you do so many good records after a while you have to discipline yourself to to keep the quality high you know wow fantastic thank you so much david it's been brilliant talking thank to you, you. I, I i mean you know it's it seems like such a long time in fact i was there at in fact, i think bizarrely i'm wearing the t-shirt from that apollo gig where it was the last time i actually saw you right so you were there when i you was were there wasn't i yeah i said hello and you were doing the you were you were recording the uh apollo thing so it's been that that's uh, a number of years ago sorry i'm getting interrupted i think i have to pick up my son from school okay well david thank you so much for talking to us it's been a pleasure thank you thank you nick it's nice to see you as well yeah take care. maybe one day in 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 flesh again yes i hope so <laughs> take care bye